one constant through all the years, Ray. Been Beyond the game. The ladies are digging my sweet face. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You like that? You like that? That is a career ender, just like this show. You're already famous in Rochester, the Watch Out World. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. From the BTG Studios in Rochester, New York, this is the Beyond the Game program. Sports talk without the trash talk. I'm Rick Benson. With me is Zach Barletta. And if you are just joining us for the first time, we thank you for being with us. Invite you to find out more about this radio ministry at our website, btgprogram.com. Zach, in what has to be one of the most unnecessary announcements ever made, (laughs) since there won't be anybody who doesn't already know this, the Bills have made it official that Tyrod Taylor will be the starting quarterback for this week's game in Kansas City against the Chiefs. Head coach Sean McDermott said, it's the right thing for our team. Now, I realize that Peterman struggled against the Chargers last week. And while I don't have a problem with starting Peterman in that game, I said last week that the timing was strange to me. And as I sit here now, I have no idea what Sean McDermott is doing. If starting Taylor is the right thing this week, what made last week different? People have been piling on Nathan Peterman, but look, not all of his interceptions should be pinned on him. I, I think yeah. that interception statistic is deceiving. Mm-hmm. You know, they shouldn't all be assigned to the quarterback. I think you should be able to give a receiver an interception if, if it was your fault. I'm not defending or making a case for Peterman. I just don't know why, if you started him last week, why you're not starting him this week. Or if why Tyrod Taylor is the right thing this week, why he wasn't the right thing last week. It, it just, yeah. this comes as no surprise. It just, baffles me. And can someone explain to me why Richard Sherman of the Seattle Seahawks cared last week who was starting for the Buffalo Bills at quarterback? So much so that he felt it necessary to tweet about it. And if you can explain to me why he cares, can you explain to me why would a Bills fan or anyone else care about what Richard Sherman thinks about what the Buffalo Bills are doing at quarterback? I can explain why because I don't. It just became the thing to do socially and on social media after that game to jump out there and give your two cents about what a laughing stock the Bills are. Richard Sherman did it. Stephen A. Smith did it. Didn't even get Peterman's name right, but he was throwing his opinion out there. Every football show or podcast I've listened to this week has gone on about, well, Tyrod Taylor's only thrown three interceptions all season. Like, you know, they haven't watched a Bills game all year, but they did some box score scouting and sent their opinions out. So, I've started just trying to tune it out because there's a lot of just uh, just people piling on the bandwagon. And for those of you who are tweeting and suggesting that Stephen A. Smith or Richard Sherman are pro-Tyrod Taylor because they're black and others are pro-Peterman because they're white, just shame on you. Coming up on today's program, Baker Mayfield won't be the starting quarterback, nor will he be team captain for this weekend's Senior Day game in Oklahoma against West Virginia because of that notorious crotch grab on the sidelines last week towards his Kansas opponents. Do you think the punishment fits the crime? Tweet at me, at BTG Program. Stick around as I present my opinion, since I'm a major radio star, and you'll want to hear that. And of course, you're not one. 
Plus, we're going to talk with my friend Paul Golden. He's a team chaplain for the Scranton-Wilkesbury Rail Riders, the top minor league affiliate of the New York Yankees, and for the Wilkesbury-Scranton Penguins, Pittsburgh's AHL team. If you're not familiar with what a team chaplain does, and most every team has one, you'll enjoy my conversation with Paul. He gives us a little background on what he does alongside the fantastically bearded Zach Barletta. I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. Let me tell you about Town & Country Pest Solutions. They've been in business for nearly three very successful decades. They have the experience to tackle any pest problem. Covering Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo, Albany, Watertown, any place that could pick up this radio station is somewhere Town & Country Pest Solutions takes on pests and critters of all kinds. Town & Country's technicians are friendly, professional, and most importantly, they're knowledgeable. Bees, wasps, roaches, ants, bats, mice, call Town & Country. Even raccoons or larger animals, call Town & Country. Have a bed bug problem or just want to check and make sure that you don't have a bed bug problem? Call Town & Country. Early detection is key when it comes to bed bugs, so if you suspect a potential problem, call Town & Country Pest Solutions today. Town & Country's success rate and their guarantee are both well above industry average. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today, 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024 and let their team of professionals handle whatever pest problem you may have. Or visit them online, townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College, where athletics are fundamental to our commitment to educate for character. Our athletic program is strong and getting stronger every year. We offer 17 varsity sports, from lacrosse and basketball to track and field and soccer, and the only Division II athletic program in the area. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program, mixing sports with faith. The Beyond the Game program is recorded in the BTG studios in Rochester, New York. You can find us on the internet at BTG program. Our website is btgprogram.com. And we say hello to Sneeds Ferry, North Carolina. The sneaky freaky, as they call it down there. (laughs) We also say hello to Litchfield, Minnesota. Both places are spots in the U.S. where the Beyond the Game podcast was downloaded this past week. You can visit our website btgprogram.com, or you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, whatever your favorite podcast source may be. You even have the option to have it have it downloaded automatically to whatever device you have. Just subscribe to the program, and please, while you're there, leave us a review. This will help other people find the program, as I'm finding out that reviews have an effect on how often the podcast comes up in search results. Bernie Bierman grew up in Litchfield, Minnesota. He won five national titles, five national titles in football back in the 30s and the 40s. But the interesting thing about Bierman is that when he coached football while he was at Montana, he was also the coach of their basketball team. Same thing when he was at Tulane, same thing when he was at Mississippi State. Litchfield is also where former Seattle Seahawks tight end John Carlson grew up. A brief NFL career, retiring in 2015, maybe more known for his college career at Notre Dame. He was a captain in both his junior and senior seasons. He was also a McDonald's preseason All-American in basketball. 
another football and basketball connection. See a theme here. Thanks for listening, Litchfield, Minnesota. Thanks for listening, Sneeds Ferry, North Carolina, or wherever it is that you may find yourself today, possibly even among listeners in England and Ireland who regularly download our program. We thank you for being with us. Good to have you along this weekend. Oklahoma quarterback Baker Mayfield will not be starting in their game against West Virginia. Head coach Lincoln Riley announced earlier this week that he will also not serve as the team captain that day, which is senior day for Oklahoma. It's Mayfield's final home game since he is a senior. This is disciplinary action in response to Mayfield's actions during the third quarter of Oklahoma's 41-3 road win over Kansas when Mayfield grabbed his crotch and appeared to yell towards the Jayhawks' sideline. Responses by many cents have ranged from everything from the punishment is too harsh to the punishment is too lenient. Mayfield himself was broken up emotionally a number of times during a new news conference where he addressed his actions. He talked about the discipline he faced as a result. He at times even had to wipe away tears. Here he is talking about how much playing at OU means to him. Playing at OU is something I always dreamed of. Um. And uh, so not not startings, you know, it's, it is what it is, but not being a team captain something so much more. That's Baker Mayfield talking about what playing at OU means to him. Now, there are some who would probably dismiss that as a good action job. Perhaps they're saying they're not real tears. Others may say, of course, that's what he'd say, how much Oklahoma means to him. And still others may say, you know, too bad he made his own problems. And, you know, maybe there's some element of truth in those statements, but all of those statements underestimate the investment that a player makes to reach the point where they're the starting quarterback at one of the nation's historically great football programs, and then to be named a team captain as well. It's senior day. These are th- th- those statements would not give any bit of respect to the amount of embarrassment, the amount of disappointment that Mayfield feels, knowing that his family, his friends are going to be there, and knowing that this is supposed to be one of those special moments that you look back on in life. That was senior day. I was the starting quarterback at Oklahoma, and I'm going to be standing on the sidelines. I think it's hard for many of us who sit in judgment from our armchairs, completely distanced, unaware of the significance that what being a starter or being a captain really is. As we record this, I don't know how long Mayfield's going to be on the sidelines. Riley did not elaborate when he announced the decision, so it may be or may have been, depending on when you're listening to this program. It may have been a one one series, maybe one quarter, maybe one half. I suspect it's going to be a series. I think that's probably will be what it is. But it doesn't really matter because to Mayfield, it may as well be the entire game. You know, mm-hmm. he he still has all the embarrassment, all the shame of being there on the sidelines because he allowed his emotions to get the best of him. And the entire time he's on those sidelines, the cameras are going to continue to pan in on him. That, that's what they're going to sh- This is going to be nationally televised, and they're going to show him on the sidelines on senior day. Think of when you decided what it is you wanted to do for a living and and, and to be what you are today. Maybe you were a kid. Maybe you wanted to be a fireman. 
Maybe you want to be a policeman or an astronaut. The unfortunate reality is for many of us, we don't get to do what we wanted to do. But let's say you did. And there you are living out your dream. You had invested countless hours of work, countless hours of dedication. You sacrificed many things to get to where you are. Even little things we take for granted. Going to get some ice cream with our friends. You give that up to put more hours in the gym. And then because you did something childish, something rash, something emotional, it's taken away. Now, I don't want to overstate it. Mayfield's not losing his career here. But imagine yourself with the attention of millions across the country not being able to do the job that you've dedicated yourself to doing even for a part of the day because you're being punished. There's there's a pain in there. And this is days after video of you doing the stupid thing has been on every national media outlet in the country. Yeah, absolutely. And my point is is simply that most of us cannot understand or relate to that. So for those of you peeing on Mayfield's Fruit Loops, well, look, you have no clue what you're talking about. Add to that the relationship that he has with his coach there at Oklahoma. Mayfield admitted that he put his coach in a terrible spot, and I would agree. He talked about how difficult it was to face him and to have that conversation with him about what had happened there on the sidelines against Kansas and what will happen as a result. During his news conference, Riley said that this was a difficult decision. In fact, he had to stop several times because he became emotional in discussing it. Obviously, this was a difficult thing. You ever feel like you let somebody down? Who's important to you? I mean, we all have. Yeah. That feeling stinks. It's awful. And oftentimes there is no punishment, which is as hard as the feeling you have knowing that you let somebody important to you down. Here's Mayfield on his relationship with his coach. He's uh, a guy that's you know, very special to me. Um, um, he's like a father figure to me. Um, you know, he's you know, I'm far away from my family, so he's that person for me here, and he knows me, I'd say, as good as anybody in, in the world, so um, it's a special relationship, but uh, I mean, he nailed it on the head today. We've been through a lot together, ups and downs, but uh, this this won't be the highlight of our, our journey, and it won't be the end of it either. Playing at Oklahoma cost Mayfield. Haven't heard much said about this, but let's not forget that Mayfield is the guy who sat out the entire 2014 season after transferring to OU from Texas Tech. Remember, NCAA rules require that transfers are ineligible to play for one year following a transfer. Mayfield had enrolled at Oklahoma without, without even talking to Sooner coaching staff, meaning he was a walk-on. He appealed that ruling due to being a walk-on and not being a scholarship athlete, but the NCAA, of course, denied his appeal. At Texas Tech, sure wasn't willing to help him out with any sort of letter or agreement that would authorize his immediate eligibility. In fact, in the Big 12 Conference, they had a rule that said that intra-conference transfers not only have to sit out a year, but they use lose a year of eligibility, meaning that Instead of a four-year college career, you, you have a three-year college career. Now, they've, they changed that rule. They amended it, and I should point out that Texas Tech uh, voted in favor to amend that rule, but the rule passed, I think, something like seven to three. I remember there was three schools that voted against it, 
probably three schools which had Oklahoma coming up on their schedule. <laughs> that that rule is known as the Baker Mayfield rule. Baker Mayfield had sacrificed. He worked hard to get to be the starting quarterback for Oklahoma. And in my opinion, see, sitting out even one series, as I said, under the attention of millions of sports fans and media outlets is going to be severe enough. The length of time he's benched really, to me, is insignificant. It doesn't matter. It's the pain and humiliation that he went through all week, will continue to be reminded of whenever he thinks back to his senior day. I think that punishment is just in this case. Again, what did he do? He grabbed his crotch and he yelled at the opponent. Yeah, I, I don't condone that. Well, I haven't mentioned it. His doing that was in response to Kansas players refusing to shake his hands. They sort mm-hmm. of set the stage for this whole thing. The captains, or at least you know, the team de- designees, they go out to midfield for the coin flip, and they traditionally shake hands. But the Kansas players had no part of it. Kansas coach Dave Beatty has said that those players won't serve as captains during their game Saturday at Oklahoma State. One of the Kansas players, linebacker Joe Deneen, told ESPN that it was a Dumb impulse decision, and that's not how this game should be played. It won't happen for me or from this program again. I I like the accountability mm-hmm. there. And yeah. I don't I don't intend to portray Mayfield, obviously the clear front runner for this year's Heisman, as some sort of saint. He's not. He's a young man who's shown the capability to make bad decisions. For instance, he was arrested earlier this year for Charges of public intoxication. Let me see. I have the list here. Disorderly conduct, fleeing, resisting arrest. Police officers had been called to investigate an assault and battery report. And when Mayfield was asked to stay so they could get a statement, he began shouting obscenities and causing a scene. So this is clearly a guy who simply reacts. Mm -hmm. This is a guy that uh, his go-to move is to yell obscenities. Now, will it cost him Heisman votes? Of course it will. Will it cost the award? Not a chance. Mm-mm. But this is behavior that Mayfield, like many college-age young people, he, he needs to correct. He needs to get it under check. It's behavior that people at any age need to correct. It's an ugly response from a college kid, and in my opinion, it's even uglier from grown adults. Grow up and check yourself. The punishment is, to me, I, I don't know if you'd agree, Zach, is warranted. I, I think it's appropriate. I, I think, think it's, it's a fair. Good, yeah, I think it's fair. For those fans who want it to be heavier, you probably root for one of Oklahoma's rivals. <laughs> and, you know, it was a crotch grab for crying out loud. I, again, I don't condone it, but Mayfield was groping himself. Maybe you should be more concerned with Hollywood elites or U.S. politicians who are groping others for crying out loud. <laughs> good point. And for Sooner fans who think it's too harsh, you're equally out of touch. It's... His behavior was inappropriate. He was an embarrassment mm-hmm. to his school. It was an embarrassment to the football program. It's not becoming of a leader, of a team captain. And I commend Coach Riley for his swift taking of action. I, I think he acted right away. I commend him for teaching Mayfield that there are consequences for your actions. You're not just going to skate free. As people tend to do, they point the finger at others and they give no regard to themselves. If cameras were following you as you drove down the road, would your actions at times be all that much different from Mayfield's crutch grab? Nope. Yeah, I listen, I've seen some good people doing some awful things, sending some ugly messages. As you think back on your vices and on your sins, should should you be given a free pass or 
should there be consequences as there is for Baker Mayfield? According to the Bible, and, and this is something I think we, most of us would ready and readily admit, we're all sinners. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There are consequences. Because we have rebelled against God, apart from forgiveness in him that comes with salvation in Christ, that verse says we come short of spending eternity with him. We're all sinners. We're all in need of God's grace and of God's forgiveness. Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. He lived a perfect life, but he chose to die anyway on a cross as a sacrifice to make the forgiveness of sins possible, if only we would believe and repent. That is the love of God, which made a way for all of us to know eternal life. On that cross, Jesus bore your sins as well as my sins as a sacrifice to make atonement for us, bridge a gap that sin put between us and God. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Perhaps you're listening, and you don't know for certain where you would spend eternity if you were to die today. You might be thinking to yourself that, you know, I've never asked God to forgive me of the things that I've done wrong. But here's the thing. Are you sorry about those things? One of the hardest things for Baker Mayfield about his punishment is knowing that he let his coach down, that he let his family down, that he let his teammates down, his fans down. When we rebel and sin against God, who, who loved us enough to die on a cross in our place, then we let him down. Mm-hmm. That should cause us sorrow. That should cause us to want to repent, to want to change, to be different. And isn't that the purpose of sitting Baker Mayfield after all? Forgiveness is available to all people. Jesus died for all. Grace is freely available to everyone. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible says that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, for with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. I want to encourage you that if, you, if you've come to that place where you know you've done something wrong, as Baker Mayfield had, then pray to God and tell him that you know you're a sinner. Tell him you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and did so for you, and start a new life. Don't let God down. Repent from sins. Seek after him. And if you want to know more about what it means to be a Christian, you can visit our website, btgprogram.com. We have a tab there. I believe it's on the right-hand side of our website. It says, Know Jesus, K-N-O-W, Know Jesus. We have it spelled out for you there. And if you'd like prayer, please don't hesitate to send me a note. All our contact information is there at the website. I want to thank you for being with us with Zach Barletta. I'm Rick Benson. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program. Here is the Red Hawks recap for this week, November 25th, 2017. The Red Hawks recap being brought to you by Robert Wesleyan College. 
A split last weekend for the women's basketball team. First on Friday night, the Red Hawks fell to number two Virginia Union, 95-82 in the first game of the Red Hawks Alumni Classic. Four players scoring in double digits for Roberts. Sophomores Emily Miller and Taya Andrews, as well as senior Nikita James, all scoring 18 points, and senior Lucy Cobley adding 11. Then on Saturday, the Red Hawks bounced back for an 81-73 win over Lake Erie College. Miller scoring another 23 points to go along with 13 rebounds at three block shots. Also on Saturday, the men's team got 20 points from sophomore guard Isaiah Lewis. They defeated Georgian Court University 72-61. They then followed that up on Sunday with an 80-68 win over Chestnut Hill, which makes it five straight victories to start the season for the Red Hawks. Senior Manny Joseph was 3-for-3 from long range. He finished with a team-high 15 points. Roberts Wesleyan is now one of just two remaining undefeated teams in the East Coast Conference. In other action, the women's bowling team continues to hang tough, even though they dropped two of three last weekend. At Casanova College, the men's swim team scored a 78-40 victory, while the women's swim team lost 206-61. And congratulations to sophomore Christopher Sims, who represented the Red Hawks men's cross-country team at the NCAA D2 National Championships last weekend. He placed 176 overall. And congrats to the ladies team as well, who made their fourth straight trip to the national championships and placed 32nd. No home games for any of the Red Hawks teams until next Saturday, December 2nd, when the women's basketball squad will host St. Thomas Aquinas College. Tip-off is scheduled for 2 p.m. For more information on Roberts Wesleyan Athletics, including scores, highlights, and more, visit their website, robertsredhawks.com, or follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter, at RWC Redhawks. This has been the Red Hawks Recap, presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College. We're proud to be a serious athletic school with great opportunities for serious athletes. In fact, we have the only Division II athletic program in the area. Our many varsity programs range from basketball, tennis, and cross country to track and field, golf, volleyball, and soccer. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Paul Golden is one of those guys who just seems to be doubly blessed to me. He works with two of the most successful sports organizations in the country, gets to serve the Lord in the process. Not only is he the team chaplain for the Pittsburgh Penguins' top minor league affiliate in Wilkesbury, Scranton, PA, but he's also the chaplain for the New York Yankees' top minor league affiliate, who's also in that Scranton, Wilkesbury area. Paul's a busy guy, but he takes a few minutes to join us on the BTG studio line. Paul, thanks so much, and welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Rick. It's great to be on. Now, I got that right, didn't I? I, I got Wilkesbury for the Penguins. They go Wilkesbury, Scranton, but the, the rail riders go Scranton, Wilkesbury. Correct. It is confusing at times. Uh, the counties, uh, uh, the baseball team is in Lackawanna County, and they prefer Scranton, Wilkesbury, while the hockey team is in Luzerne County, and they prefer Wilkesbury, Scranton. So um, you get used to it, but it is confusing for an outsider. <laughs> Working with the Penguins and the Yankees, these are just, though, ministry opportunities for you. They're not really what you do for a living. Can you take a minute and tell us what what is it that you do? 
Uh, I serve at a school called Clark Summit University, uh, formerly called Baptist Bible College. Uh, we're located in northeast Pennsylvania. It's actually in Clark Summit, which is a suburb of uh, the greater Scranton area. Uh, I serve in the president's office. I am not the president, but I, I serve with him and help with his scheduling and scheduling chapel speakers and working with our trustees and, and, a, and a host of other uh, responsibilities. So it's a great opportunity for me, but uh, I enjoy these uh, these volunteer chaplain, chaplain ministries uh, with both the Penguins and the Rail Riders. We've spoken with other team chaplains over the years on this program, but this just happens to be our second week on a new station here locally. So I want to ask you some of the things that I've already asked them. Can you take a minute and maybe talk about what a team chaplain does and what your responsibilities are to the team and its players? Uh, certainly. For Specifically for hockey, uh, we're in the midst of our, our hockey season now. In fact, uh, Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins uh, will play up in Rochester. They play the Rochester Amherst occasionally. So we're in that same uh, league, the American Hockey League. But as far as a team chaplain, uh, I usually conduct uh, a chapel each week. Um, usually it's on a uh, practice day, uh, not on a game day, not on an off day, but usually it's after practice. Then also, um, as opportunity comes up, I try to do one-on-one with the players, uh, maybe grab lunch with them afterwards, uh, oftentimes have them in our home. If they're married, bring their wives and kids. But just try to have a ministry of presence week in and week out, uh, not just for the guys that come to chapel, but for the entire team and uh, coaching staff. What do you find to be the very best part of your job? And for that matter, what do you find to be the most difficult part of being a team chaplain? Yeah, the the best part of the job, I think, is you know having that uh, the ability to interact with with men in particular and just to to do life with them. Um, obviously, I want to see them succeed uh, both on and off the ice, or you know both on and off the field for baseball. But I just want to see them succeed uh, spiritually. Uh, if they're not uh, yet Christ followers, I love to see, introduce them to uh, the the gospel and to that um, relationship with Christ that they can have if they are believers. Uh, like uh, you and I are, I want to see them grow in their faith and uh, not not just uh, be a baseball player, but be a baseball player who has a platform to share his faith. So for me, that's the exciting part of the job. As far as what's most difficult, probably the, the challenge is, you know, players come and go. You know, from one season to the next, you, you might have some returning players, but as is going on now in the off season, uh, hot stove. There's there's trades going on. There's players getting released. There's there's players getting added to the forty man. So, I guess the the trans the transient nature of both hockey and baseball is, is a negative. You feel like you're just getting to know a, a player and uh, build into their lives, and then they get traded to another team or they're a free agent and they they opt out and, and go to another uh, team. So, uh, that, but that's that's the nature of the job. Yeah, I've seen the Yankees actually making trades with uh, the Mariners this week, the the Marlins as well. We're talking with Paul Golden. He's the team chaplain for the top minor league affiliates of both the Pittsburgh Penguins and the New York Yankees. I imagine that many of our listeners are probably thinking it's cool to have access to star players, get the chance to know them personally. But when, when for a team chaplain, it's not about that. It's about impacting lives for the cause of Christ, as you've already said. Do you ever, though, do you ever get starstruck? That's a good question, Rick. Um, I, I'm, I love sports. Uh, I'm not an athlete per se, but uh, love uh, love watching sports. Uh, to be honest, when it came to the hockey, I, this is my seventh season uh, with uh, the Penguins affiliate. And really, when I started, the only Pittsburgh Penguin that I had ever even heard of 
was some guy named Sidney Crosby. I, I knew enough about hockey to know that he was a, a superstar that played for the Penguins. I never met him. But uh, as the years and the seasons have gone on, I've gotten to know many of the players. So for hockey, not really any stars starstruck syndrome there but uh, for baseball I grew up a Yankee fan I grew up in upstate New York in the, the Elmira Horseheads area initially then moved over to Binghamton so always had kind of followed the New York Yankees so so it is a thrill for me to to, to be able to minister to uh, you know a team that um, kind of followed as a kid and uh, into my adulthood so but as far as getting starstruck obviously these guys are real people uh, they have uh, real needs just like you and I do. They they have family members that struggle with cancer, or um, they have family or wives that struggle with miscarriages, and same same consequences of living in a sin cursed world that you and I face. They have to face too. So they're they're real people with uh, real needs and uh, real desires and dreams, just like you and I. So um, that, that's kind of my role as a chaplain, not to be the fan when I walk through the doors, but to be there for, uh, in a sense, their spiritual, uh, a spiritual friend to help them uh, on the road of life. Being in the top minor league affiliate in both the Penguins and the Yankees, you're seeing star players on their way through, and you're also seeing lesser known players who probably are not ever going to be at the top level. Do you find that those, uh, those, those top prospects to be more difficult in working with than would say the lesser known players not not really i mean for both hockey and baseball these guys are just uh for the most part average guys they want to fit in and, and succeed in their their profession so I, i've i've not had any issues with uh, bigger name prospects maybe the issue would be maybe uh they get a little more media attention in the clubhouse, uh, so you might have to wait a little bit with the reporters, but um, for the most part, they uh, are great people to work with. Now, you don't have to mention any names here, of course, uh, but have you ever been surprised by a player being involved in one of your chapel service, someone who perhaps maybe by reputation or by the way they play on the field, you would have never expected them to be in one of your services? Well, that's a great uh, question, Rick. One, one guy comes to mind uh, several years ago uh, as chaplain with the, the hockey team. There's this big guy that just came down from Pittsburgh, uh, kind of near the end of his career, big six-foot-six guy, 250 pounds. He was the enforcer uh, back in the day. That Those were more prevalent, but just a gigantic guy. And um, he's retired since then. His, his name is Steve McIntyre, and his nickname was appropriately called Big Mac. Uh, so he he was a guy. I thought, man, this guy's a rough and tough guy. There's no way he's he's coming to chapel. But he he, to my surprise, was a faithful uh, chapel participant. And uh, as I got to know him, just a great heart. He, he's a father himself. Had kids, so his persona on the on the ice was certainly different than uh, what he was in, in real life. So that that was probably the biggest surprise of uh, the the enforcer, Big Mac, uh, coming to chapel. Working in ministry myself, I know it's not always glorious. It's certainly not always easy. But there are times when you get to look back and, and you see God at work. And I'm sure you've experienced a number of times where a number of God stories in your time in sports ministries. Bragging on him for just a moment, is there one God story in particular that sticks out in your mind that you can share with us? Sure. It was a couple of years ago, and I was able to give uh, do a chapel service uh, for for the guys. And obviously, during the season, whether it's hockey or baseball, these guys or these athletes are unable to get to a regular church service because of the season and the demands of the game and travel. But anyways, I had given one chapel, and it challenged the guys, if they were Christ followers, to 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 make that 
that private decision public and to go public with their faith and um, talk a lot about baptism and the purpose of baptism and realizing that baptism does not save you. Baptism does not get you into heaven, but it's really like a, almost like a wedding ring. You, you make a, a public profession of your, your commitment to your spouse and you put on that wedding ring. That's a public expression of your, of your inward decision. So I, I challenged the guys that day to uh, consider baptism. And about a week or so later, I got a call from a pastor and it was uh, from this athlete, his home church pastor. And uh, he had been talking, I guess, over a couple of years about getting baptized someday. Well, that, that week, this player talked to his pastor and said, Hey, I want to get baptized this off season. And it was a, mm. a thrill for me to, to, to go to the church that off season and see him be baptized. So that, to me, that was exciting to see a player through the chapel uh, program be challenged to take the next step. And um, so he found in baptism. And that, to me, that's one of the God stories that sticks out in, in my mind. Getting back to something you said earlier, trades and call-ups are just part of the job it, it, dealing with what you do. When you lose someone that maybe is a leader, in your chapel room, how hard is it to adjust and find others to rely on? Yeah, that's a good question. It, it, you know, obviously, it's nature of the game when guys are getting called up or released or sent down. Uh, that's just part of the game, and I think the athletes know that. And I'm beginning to realize that hey, God is sovereign, even in something uh, like sports and trades and call ups. And I just they have to accept, hey, God, it's just time for someone else to step up, and uh, I look for that next person to be kind of the chapel leader. So. So it's a, it may be disappointing at first, but I have to recognize uh, the sovereignty of God in that and just um, look for the next person to uh, to go to as far as chapel leader. Following up on that, when a new player comes in, and I don't know if you know whether or not they have a faith in Christ yet, how do you go about introducing yourself and building a ministry relationship with them? Yeah, what I try to do, uh, especially with hockey, I'm on Twitter. I, I follow, uh, try to check every day the website for the team itself just to see what players have maybe on the injured list, who's been called up, who's been sent down. So when I'm in the locker room uh, the next time, I know who to look for and, it, and basically just introduce myself. Hey, I'm Paul Golden. I'm the team chaplain here for the Penguins and uh, love to have you come to chapel. And whether you come to chapel or not, I'm, I'm still your chaplain and want to be of help to you. So I, I really just I'm the one that initiates that. Uh, many times if they're getting called up, they're younger players and kind of a whirlwind of getting them there in the first place. So try to be someone that, hey, I'm here for the season and for the long haul. If I can be of any help to you, um, I'm your guy. I know that professional athletes are very private. They're very guarded. And after a player is called up or after traded to another organization, do they tend to just move on or do you have an opportunity to continue that ministry relationship in their lives? Yeah, it really depends on the player. Um, I said for hockey, I've been doing this. This is my seventh season. So it's been neat to see guys have got, gone on to the NHL, whether it's with the Penguins in Pittsburgh or with other NHL teams. Uh, so I've been able to stay in touch with them. For some of the guys uh, with techs, and uh, if I see that they um, – you know, they get their first NHL goal or they have some kind of career highlight. I usually try to, that's a good opportunity to uh, reach out and just, hey, great to see you succeed in that way. Trust you doing well spiritually. God bless. The other nice thing is when guys are with other teams, especially in the AHL, I try to connect with them while they're visiting. So maybe they were, they were here in Wilkes-Barre the last couple seasons, but they've been uh, free agents and picked up by uh, uh, another team in the division or the league. 
just try to connect with them when they're in town, either before the game uh, at the hotel or maybe after the game at the arena. Just a touch base. How you doing? How's the wife? Uh, how you doing spiritually? So I try to keep up as best I can uh, with that. But um, it, it is tough when you, you lose someone. But uh, you're you're happy because the, the the hockey ministries for most of the AHL teams and most of the NHL teams have chapel or chapel leaders and chaplains in place. So it's nice to know, even though they might not be here in in, in Wilkes-Barre, they might be with another chapel uh, elsewhere in the AHL. So that's that's kind of neat thing about the network of uh, the hockey ministries chapels. I filled in a couple of times done chapel here in Rochester for the Red Wings. I'm just kind of curious as you were talking there. In baseball, you're doing a chapel on a Sunday for the umpires, the visiting team, the home team. It, does it work the same way in hockey, or is it just the home team? Right, that's a good question. It, for, it's really different. There's, there's a lot of similarities between the two, but there are also some differences. And the big difference for hockey is that I'm only doing chapel for the home team. So the chapel, the chaplain in Rochester is only doing the Amrix, not the visiting team. So I'm only doing the Penguins. And like I said, for me, it's usually this season, at least it's on a Thursday after practice. So I'm just working with our Penguins guys. Whereas baseball, you, you do the home team, the visiting team. In some cases, you might meet with some of the front office people. And then you also touch base uh, with the umpires before the game. So it's a lot of similarities, but there are some some differences. I'm sure it's also depends on, on the players themselves, but you're talking about differences between the two sports, the way the hockey and baseball. Uh, does one or the other, does the structure of their schedule make it the, the players more open to the gospel or make you, make it easier, I guess, to build a relationship with them? I'm not sure there is a, a marked difference. I mean, for most guys, for, for me, it's really about building relationships with the guys, whether they're you know, swinging a bat or uh, swinging a hockey stick. Um, I, I, it does seem like baseball, there, there might be more guys in baseball that are more open uh, to spiritual things in chapel. Um, obviously, just because of geography and weather, a lot of the baseball players are coming through states like Texas and Florida and Georgia, you know, Bible Belt states. Mm. So they might be more inclined to spiritual things, and they're familiar with church services and chapel. Whereas hockey, um, many of those guys might have grown up in a church, but not in a Bible Belt area. So I think there may be more openness in baseball, but I think for both both of our affiliates, the, the players are certainly open to, to chapels. And like I said, it's, it's a voluntary thing. It's not mandated by uh, the teams. It's It's strictly voluntary. And uh, that way we don't – if someone doesn't come to chapel, they're not they're not ostracized. But um, I'm still their chaplain. I want to be there for them. So whether they come to chapel or not, it, it's up to them. Once again, we're talking with Paul Golden. He is the team chaplain in Scranton-Wilkesbury or Wilkesbury-Scranton, depending on whether you're talking about the hockey penguins or the baseball Yankees, rail riders. Paul, can you share with us how you first came to know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Yes, I did. And I, I grew up in a pastor's home up in the upstate New York, uh, in the Binghamton and Elmira Corning area. And uh, just because I grew up in a pastor's home doesn't make me uh, a Christian automatically, right? right, there, right. There, there is a, an element of it had to be my decision and a, my personal relationship with Christ. So at a young age, I was at Camp Lamoka there in the Finger Lakes in Tyrone, New York, actually. And it was a Christian camp, and uh, I heard a preacher give the clear gospel message that uh, we are all sinners, that we all are deserving and destined for hell, 
but Jesus Christ came and as a baby at Christmas time and lived a sinless, perfect life. Uh, went to the cross willingly to die for our sins. He was buried three days, but then miraculously rose again. And that's what we celebrate on Easter. And it was at that point I realized that it's not what I've done or my good works or I'm a pastor's kid. I should be able to get in. It was my, my own recognition that I was a sinner in need of a Savior. So at that young age there at Camp Lamoca, uh, I became a, a follower of Jesus Christ. How can we pray for you, Paul? How can our listeners pray for you? Yeah, the big thing is that, you know, I'm always looking for opportunities to share Christ. So as I interact with the, the players, uh, hockey season's going on right now, just opportunities to, to witness to them and be of help. And I've found many times it's when things are not going so well that they're more open to the gospel, whether the, an injury, the, a serious injury or demotion or something going on with a broken relationship or a health issue with a loved one. That's many times when they're more open to uh, hearing uh, the good news of Jesus Christ. So just opportunities to share Christ uh, and also opportunities to serve. Uh, my wife and I uh, try to have the, the players in to our home. Uh, many times these guys are away from, from their loved ones back in Canada or, or, or Western U.S. and they're they're far from home, so trying to give them a, a home cooked meal and a, a kind of a place to belong uh, is really open up many doors. So just opportunities to share Christ, opportunities to serve, and uh, pray that I would be a faithful uh, witness of what Jesus Christ has done in my life and and uh, sharing with them. Paul, thanks again for joining us. It's been fascinating talking to you, and I enjoyed seeing you in the Dominican Republic a few weeks ago, and hope we have a chance to talk to you again soon and and. I'll see you there again maybe next year. Hey, thank you, Rick. It's been a privilege to be on, and I wish you the best uh, with your with your show. That's Paul Golden joining us on the BTG Studio line, serving God through baseball and hockey, among other things. And I mean, does it get any better than that? Come on back. We've got more to do. This is Beyond the Game Program. How can I forgive when I can forgive myself? When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. You're listening to Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal Secure Servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support. Rick Benson along with Zach Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program. BTGprogram.com or at BTG program, easily America's favorite faith-based talk radio program. Yeah, it's science. We hope you and your family are enjoying a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend. With Thanksgiving officially in the rearview mirror, we look ahead to that magical time of year with great anticipation for that 
very special day. Yes. I'm so happy that it's here. We are only weeks away from the release of Star Wars, The Last Jedi. And over the last year since The Force Awakens, I've been subjected to numerous theories, wild suggestions on whose daughter Ray may be and other subplots that my co-host would randomly text me at various times over these last 12 months. <laughs> I'm not sure if this film will put an end to that or will start up a whole new thread, but I'm excited for the debut of The Last Jedi. It's going to start a whole new thread. You know it's going to. Yeah, I, and in secret, I'm kind of looking forward to it. Time now for Zach to bring us this week's shenanigan statements. After the Pittsburgh Steelers' Week 11 victory, quarterback Ben Roethlisberger took shots at the media members, specifically Stephen A. Smith, who have speculated that he, quote, doesn't care about football this year because of comments he made in the offseason about potentially retiring after the season. Truth or shenanigans, Big Ben will retire after the season. You know, I go back and forth on this. I I don't know. I, I tend to agree, but I don't think it has anything to do with not caring about football because if that were the case, I think he'd already be retired. He's won Super Bowls. He's put together a Hall of Fame career. At some point, I don't think it's a lack of caring about the game as much as it is about caring about your well-being the rest of your life. So why continue to take the hits if you've accomplished as much as Big Ben has. If the Steelers win the Super Bowl, I think it's a done deal he retires. I think if they make an early exit from the playoffs, it may be a done deal and he retires. But I think if he gets close, and let's say they go to the Super Bowl but they don't win it, then I think it gets a little less uncertain because I tend to think he'd come back and give it another shot. I agree with that. I don't know if I can 100% agree or call shenanigans on the statement, but I agree with the qualifiers that you gave. If he wins the Super Bowl, I definitely think he retires. If they don't even get close, I think he retires. If he loses the Super Bowl or they lose a heartbreaker in the conference finals or something like that, maybe the competitive spirit keeps you around. But you got to think, in addition to however the season ends, in addition to him getting up there in age, having sort of a subpar season by his standards, he may also be losing Le'Veon Bell to free agency after the season. So the offense might not be what it was. So I think that might be also part of his motivation. And I think I'm going to say probably with about 75% certainty that he retires. The Cleveland Browns seem very likely to have the number one pick in the NFL draft again after this season. So a truth or a shenanigans, they should use that pick to take one of the top quarterbacks. I agree. Even though I, I think it's far too early to be definitive or to dismiss Deshaun Kaiser, as many years as the Browns have, have needed an answer, I don't think it'll hurt them to have a little depth at that quarterback position if they keep Kaiser and draft a guy. And this year it looks like there could be three top-tier quarterbacks available in the draft. And if the Browns were drafting lower than, say, three, mm -hmm. then I, you know maybe there's some uncertainty. Maybe you don't grab a quarterback. But at number one, they can be guaranteed to get one of either Josh Rosen of UCLA, Sam Darnold from USC, or Josh Allen at Wyoming. And I think either one of those three guys are available. I, I think you need to take them. I disagree. But I think that's because I'm a big Deshaun Kaiser fan, or I was coming out of college. Um, he's looked bad at times this season. He's also looked really good at times this season. And I, we were talking about this off the air, but Deshaun Kaiser was a quarterback that you knew coming into the season 
he wasn't going to be a finished product right away. He was raw. He was going to need time to develop. You probably ideally wouldn't want him to be starting right away, but because they're the Browns, he was. I think if you're the Browns, you bring in a veteran guy and let Kaiser sit behind him for a year or so and learn the nuances of playing quarterback in the NFL. I still think Kaiser can be that guy. I think if you're the Browns, you can take trade down, take some difference makers to improve your overall talent level, try to find a really good running back. Saquon Barkley is somebody that could be a potential difference maker for them. So I don't think they need to take a quarterback, but that's because I like Deshaun Kaiser a lot. I think if you go as many years as the Browns did, as I said, without a quarterback, you got to take all you can. Maybe just take one every year. I, maybe. Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association reached an agreement this week on a new system for Japanese players to be posted and come overseas to play in the majors, paving the way, of course, for young Japanese superstar Shohei Otani to join a Major League team. Otani has been connected to the Yankees because of their roster needs and their large amount of international signing money, so, truth or shenanigans, Otani will be a Yankee. What do you think, Zach? I think it's almost a guarantee. Um, only one team has more free uh, international free agent money to spend, and only by about 35000 or so, so it's not, it's not a large gap. The Yankees also can offer the largest media market, lots of opportunities for him to make extra money through sponsorship deals, advertising, and stuff like that, and the chance to be on an exciting young team that just came a game away from the World Series. So I think what the Yankees can offer him, and not just because I'm a fan, what the Yankees can offer him, I don't think any other team can really match. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, due to the availability of international signing money, as you pointed out, the Yankees and the Rangers are clearly the front runners. Mm -hmm. Now, the Dodgers have had success with Japanese players, and you would think they'd be in play, but Otani wants to both pitch and hit. So I think an AL team that has a DH spot yes. it makes more sense than a National League team because I don't think you're going to invest a lot of money and let your pitcher be playing the field defensively. Uh, I, I, it makes the Yankees a really good fit. I, I mean, I suppose if I had to pick a sleeper, I'd say the Seattle Mariners, but mm -hmm. I think it's a two-horse race between the Yankees and the Rangers, and I, I think the Yankees are probably the better fit. Speaking of off-season roster moves, the Marlins have been rumored to be shopping Slugger and new NL MVP Giancarlo Stanton, so truth or shenanigans, Giancarlo Stanton will be traded. Yeah, I agree. The Marlins appear motivated to reduce payroll. Moving Stanton seems to be the simplest way to make that happen while also stockpiling some good young players, uh, much the way the Yankees did in dealing of a role this Chapman and Andrew Miller. At some point, a lot of water's gone under the bridge. It would be a little awkward now and a bit of a surprise if he's not somewhere else next season. I agree. In addition to all the points that you just made, Derek Jeter in his brief time as the the, the owner of the team has not been afraid to make controversial decisions. Uh, he revealed that he hasn't called Stanton and doesn't feel like he needs to, which has rubbed some people the wrong way. And he recently fired the Marlins television broadcast crew who were very popular in the area. It's in something of a surprise decision. So clearly he's going to do what he thinks he needs to do, and he doesn't really care about the public backlash. So if he can uh, trim 20-some-odd million off the payroll – bring some prospects back to what is a pretty barren farm system, I think he'll do it. Psalms 107 verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. It's Thanksgiving weekend, so there are numerous professional athletes, as well as regular people who are giving of themselves to make that 
holiday special for those who may not have as much. Former New York Jets running back in, NFL Hall of Famer LaDainian Tomlinson, who also, I suppose, played for the San Diego Chargers, is <laughs> one of those people. Tomlinson partnered with grocery store Tom Thumb to host a dirk turkey drive, excuse me, which helped feed over 2,000 people. He had the help of hundreds of volunteers who gathered at TCU, where he played from 1997 to 2000. Tomlinson says on his, the website for his Tomlinson Touching Lives Foundation, quote, my hope is someday my legacy is based on how I'm defined as a husband, father, colleague, citizen, and what I contribute to the community, not what I did for a living. Former New York Jets great LaDainian Tomlinson and anyone else who this week who may be working to provide for the less fortunate is what I like this week. What I like this week was a tweet from Matthew Fairburn, who covers the Buffalo Bills for NewYorkUpstate.com. He reported that former Bills quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is now a quarterback with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Fitzpatrick reached out to current Bills backup Nathan Peterman after Peterman's rough outing on Sunday against the Chargers when he threw five interceptions in the first half and got himself benched for the second half. Fitz had some good games and some rough games during his time with the Bills, but he always seemed like a really good dude, and it's just cool to hear that he took the time to encourage a rookie on his former team who's going through some struggles. You like that? You like that? This has been the Beyond the Game program. Please stop by our website, btgprogram.com. Not only can you find more information about the program, you can listen to past broadcasts. You can even see pictures of Zach, and who doesn't want to see pictures of Zach? Right. But seriously, you can also find information on what it is to be a believer in Jesus Christ and knowing him as your Savior. And please consider being a financial supporter of this radio ministry. No one, look, no one likes talking about it, but this program doesn't air without the support of listeners like you. Help us bring the gospel to listeners all around the world through Sports Talk Radio by partnering with us both financially and prayerfully. And and do know this, we are grateful for your support. And it may seem like a shameless plug for our producer, Zach, but the truth is that his other podcast is pretty stinking good. It's called Myth and Mysteries, and if you enjoy curious stories, unsolved mysteries, these such things, then you will appreciate this terrific podcast. Myth and Mysteries, it's available on iTunes or Google Play, or you can visit their website, mythandmysteriespod.com. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at this same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody. 